We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome into the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. We are brought to you by Prize Picks. We are also a Blue Wire podcast. So thanks for joining us here. Uh, joining me tonight is Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm good. You gave it away. We're doing it. We're doing it at nighttime. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a little different, but. It's a, uh, I'm, I'm here away from my little cozy candlelit studio that I like to have at my residence, my domicile, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm here at the uh, sports office at Fox 40. So doing a little double duty, but happy to be with you. Hope you had, hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. Um, the holidays seem like a month long event, um, but a lot of family, a lot of friends, um, a lot of lot of drinking and eating i mean it's just just killing each other but it's been a lot of fun for sure it's also it's been a lot of basketball sean yeah yeah i mean i, okay. I think that i i do too but like the home games uh, upon home games is is a little crazy i mean we've had a lot we've been at golden one center a ton um i am oh, sitting man. here <laughs> no I, I mean that that's okay that's okay I know. I know. um it's just when you're uh, like this week, we, we did double duty. So me and Kyle on ESPN 1320, we, uh, we had both. Uh, well, we did our standard 10 to two, but then I'm um, at standard 10 to 12, but we also picked up 12 to noon. I'm at 12 to two with uh, Damian and Kenny out four hours on the radio is tough, man. I, I know it doesn't seem like it's that bad, but for someone who has problems sitting, um, four hours you get up and like, you don't walk right the rest of the day. And then by three days of it, like you're shot. So the last today was a recovery day and it's been a, it's been a tough week to fit in a pod because the Kings yeah. have played on Wednesday and Friday, uh, after 
the show and it's just like really tight windows and all that stuff. So a little difficult. Um, we also, we don't have Brendan today. He's away on the weekend for the weekend. So good for him. He's actually taking a breather, which is nice to hear. Um, he works really hard and, and we're glad to see that he can take a weekend off here and there. Uh, Sean, we got a lot to talk about before we get to that. Let's just do the business side. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, hop in down below and, uh, give us a thumbs up if you don't mind. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, go to thekingsbeat.com. Become a premium subscriber to The King's Beat so you get access to everything that we do here at The King's Beat. And then uh, let's hit our price pick stuff. Uh, like I've been playing price picks all season. Well, I finished last season playing price picks too. And I've had a great time. Um, I, I did actually, I, I had a good night uh, last night. I think I, oh. I, yeah, I think I hit four out of six but one of those was because Kevin Herter got injured, so probably four out of five. So I actually did okay. Uh, and the one that I missed on, realistically, I probably shouldn't have missed on Bogdan Bogdanovich, just kept missing three-point shots late in the game. That And he finished with like 21 points, rebounds, assists combined. And I needed 20, 23 and a half, so I needed 24. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've been having a good time with it. It's really fun. Um, we have a good time with the media guys, all of us playing. Um, uh, and right now it's cool because they're doing a lot of promos, especially on Fridays where you can get free plays. Uh, if you go on and you, I, I think if you put in the, the, the password Kings beat all one word, they'll match up to hundred dollars on your first, uh, your first, you know, buy-in, uh, to play. And so, uh, lots of cool things, especially with the NFL season upon us, uh, and, and the playoffs upon us. Like this weekend, there's so many different options. And I think the last couple of games I've noticed too, there's a big expansion of Sacramento Kings uh, choices. So I was able to, had this weird play that I did on Friday night where um, the I had to choose more or less of Keegan Murray with 0.5 dunks. I'm like, oh, that's easy. So he had a dunk in the first quarter and took care of that one. Uh, so there are all kinds of like little things like that where you can play and have a good time. So again, uh, there's a link down below in the bio uh, in the description if you want to jump on board with the prize picks. Um, and again, I I believe the password is Kings Beat, K I N G S B E A T, all one word, uh, and that will get you. Yeah, that will get you uh, matching. Um, you know, for your your first buy-in uh, on prize picks. So uh, let's get to the show, Sean. Um, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, the two big topics, of course, is, is going to be the the last two games that the, the Kings have played. But we also will have to hit um, on this OG and Anobi trade that just happened on Saturday, uh, reportedly happened between the Toronto Raptors and uh, the New York, uh, New York Knicks. I think a lot of Kings fans are going to be like, why not us? And I, I, I think we've got a pretty good explanation as to why. Uh, that didn't happen for the Sacramento Kings, but Sean, let's start with, um, let's start with Wednesday. The Kings faced the, the trailblazers, the first of a three game road trip. It's one of the most bizarre road trips I've ever seen. in all my time covering the league where Kings play in the Pacific, the Eastern, the central time zone, and then back to the Pacific time zone over a four day stretch a four game stretch. But, have you seen something like that where, you know, you go Portland to Atlanta to Memphis and then back home? I mean, it just yeah. seems like a really strange yeah. 
road trip. There, there, there's years where they've gone from like Minnesota to Miami. So <laughs> there, um, there's seven. Yeah. yeah. They've got a it's bad a, one in January. That's crazy. Talk yeah. about, I mean, the tough, the tough part of packing for a trip like that, you know, typically you're in winter months and in a lot of these cities have cold ice and snow and elements and you're, you're packing for such things. But when you go to the likes of Minnesota and Miami in a certain trip, that's a little bit different, but I mean, no, there, there's look, travel is what it is. Um, I don't think it's all, I think that they have the benefit that it spans a whole week. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. it like, yeah, you're, you're in Portland. Uh, it's close to home. You're able to enjoy Christmas for the most part. And then uh, you're, you're, you're right out on the road the next day and um, having to play. And it looked like there was a Christmas hangover, maybe a little too much holiday cheer or whatever it was. And uh, uh, they, they didn't look good at all in that game, frankly. Yeah. They laid an egg. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're not going to dive too deep into the Portland loss because it's a few days ago now, but 130 to 113, it continued the trend of the Kings getting blown out in their losses. And, you know, they lost by 12 to Minnesota. I thought that that game was okay. Um, it's the second night of a back-to-back. I thought they hung and they just really didn't have enough juice to get it done. Um, but then they get to that Portland game. And again, we have a 17 point loss. So I think we're up to nine of the Kings 12 losses or double digit losses. And, uh, you know, the team's defensive rating is I'm sure it improved after the Atlanta game, but um, it had to improve because it couldn't get much worse. Uh, It it just keeps going down. I think they were down around number 22 last time I looked. Um, Was there any anything that you took away from the loss in Portland other than they just came out flat? Yeah, uh, it made Duop Reef into a into a household name uh, in in the annals of King's history. Uh, you, you know, there's always like these career games. I mean, it's kind of like a um, a drinking game at this point. You know, it, when especially when the team was was bad over the past you know 16 seasons before last year, and you're talking about guys having career games at, at the King's expense and. Uh, Duop Reef, man, 25 points. Uh, I think most Kings fans probably had no idea who the hell he was. And then you add Jabari Walker to that as well, another 17-point game. And uh, those guys, you know, really destroyed him, you know, on, I felt uh, on the boards. I mean, it wasn't – I think it was only like a six-board disadvantage, but it just felt like Portland was just making every hustle play possible. Portland's bench really, really was uh, impressive in that. And it's just, you know – typical thing that we talk about when the Kings lose it's it's they get hit in the mouth they have a hard time uh responding to length and physicality uh and, and for whatever reason the the you know the, the, they're they don't keep their foot on the gas you know it's there there's things have been slowed down a bit at times and the the, the the pace isn't there and it's a it's really a live and die by the three type of type of team and I know we're going to talk about you know getting your head kicked in with a lot of these you know, big deficits that that we've seen this season so far. And uh, I think last podcast, you know, I didn't really think too much of it. Um, it's certainly become more and more of a, of a theme this season. And uh, I think the, you know, for fast forwarding a bit to what happened in Atlanta the other night, you know, I think they came into that game and Mike Brown was ready to make a few a few changes, uh, a few little tinkers and tweaks. And I, I think they were necessary. Yeah. I, um, I, I want to finish up the, with the, 
the Portland game because I think mm-hmm. the Portland game starts a, a trend, right? So we, we start having, we're seeing a trend that's developing with Sacramento Kings, which is not a good trend at all. It's that De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis are absolutely kicking ass and, and destroying teams. I mean, in that game, Fox had 43 points. He had eight rebounds. He had four assists. Uh, he was really good. He had five turnovers. That's not great. And then Demonis Sabonis has 34 points. He has 12 rebounds. He has five assists. Um, you know, so your two stars combined for 77 points. Nobody else did anything. Like, I, I don't want Harrison Barnes had nine points. That's your next leading score. Malik Monk laid a, a huge egg, one of seven from, from three. He has seven points. Keegan Murray, five points. Kevin Herter, five points. It completely disappeared. Murray, Murray also, by the by the way, I mean, it was just shooting struggles. I mean, Murray also, yeah. one of seven from beyond the arc. You just look at their totals going down the box score. It's like, I mean, it, you, you thought maybe it would be like that Clipper game in a way where you end up with two 40-point games in, in Malik Monk and, and De'Aaron Fox last year. But mm-hmm. you're looking around through the whole roster, and it's two of 11, two of eight, three of 11. I mean, yeah. the guys that you're usually counting on for perimeter you know, shots is not there. Yeah, here's a crazy stat. Uh, if you look at Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, and Malik Monk, your your shooters, right? They go three of twenty from three, three of twenty. So just actually, it might be three of twenty-two, fourteen, nineteen, twenty, three of twenty-two. You're not going to win any games like that. You're, you're just not. And um, I, I think we saw some of the same issues that we had seen in the previous game. And maybe some of the previous games where the Kings not only were um, they're get, they're getting beat in transition, but it's this weird transition where you're getting beat in transition, but not off of turnovers. You're not turning the ball over all that much, but you're giving up all these transition buckets. And it just it's laziness. It's not getting back. It's not doing your job. It's not doing the basics. And I think like the we saw it in, in the Minnesota game. We saw it again. And the Portland game, that's kind of a disturbing trend. The the disappearance of three of your starters is is not good. And then you know if we fast forward, well, and then I, I'll be honest, man, I don't I don't know who Dwap Reef is. Like I I don't know who he is. I don't think you knew who he was before that game. Maybe you did, but Bear, I learned I learned about him a couple weeks ago and watching a Portland game, and you know. There's not there's not a whole lot of duop reef, uh, <laughs> you know, intel yeah. that we had. So no, it's yeah for crazy. a random dude to come in and and go full Jason Smith on you and drop twenty five and nine. That's that's what this team has always done historically is some random dude, uh, you know. And you can go back all the way to like the opening days of of the Sacramento Kings. You know, Derek Smith went off for like thirty something as a member of the Clippers. And then the Kings went out and traded for him, and that was a huge mistake. Uh, he just had a one-off against a bad defensive team, and you know it, it feels like history just keeps repeating itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I did to my credit, I did know uh, Jabari Walker. I mean, that's more of a little more of a at least yeah. a, you know fan of you know Samaki Walker, his father, and some NBA lineage, and you know obviously a decent college player. But you know, yeah, Walker wasn't something that was on the front of mind he wasn't on the scouting report going into that game clearly he wasn't on anyone's bingo card no no it it was it was bizarre so let's fast forward you get to the atlanta game which happened yesterday on friday uh recording this pod on saturday um 
what are we? We're on the December 30th, so night before uh, New Year's Eve. And um, the Kings come out again, and they're so flat. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. They they just look like they had nothing. And they go down by 23, like, right off the bat. And it, it I, I don't know. They look so listless and so out of it. And I didn't even know what to make. I thought that they were going to start the, the road trip 0-3. I mean, 0-2. Um, but I thought what Mike Brown did is he right away was like, okay, I've had enough. And he pulled Kevin Herter and he pulled, uh, Harrison Barnes five minutes into the game. They didn't go back in the first half. Both of them started the second half, but then they were both yanked quickly in the third quarter. Uh, Kevin Herter, uh, hurt us. He has a hand injury. I, I think, I don't know. I didn't look at the injury report Strain. this afternoon. Yeah. It's um, a, he's questionable. He's questionable for Memphis tomorrow, uh, on the 31st with a hand strain in his left hand. And it if you saw the replay, James, you know, hand injuries are weird. Like, you remember when Domas got his hand on the, just touched the back of, I forget oh, yeah. who it was, and when he hurt his stuff, you're like, how did that happen? It's not like he got his hand caught in the jersey. It was like, and I remember, you know, I'm a fan of baseball, as you are, if you've ever seen, you know, Pablo Sandoval, uh, or even, I think it was, I'm probably getting this wrong, so people in the comments can help me out later on, but I think it was Aaron Rowan, who who went to like take a swing of the bat and all he did was go like this and he just like drops the bat as if it electrocuted him uh, uh, and he like tore something in his wrist or his hand it's like it's very strange very strange injury but that's kind of like what Kevin looked like he just had like a go a def- defensive kind of stance and kind of yanks his hand back a little bit and as if he's like did some I don't know what it is they call it a strain hopefully it's not too serious and he can get back out there but yeah pretty wild. Either way, uh, Kevin Herter has is, is been in a spiral. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, he finished that game with seven points, three rebounds, uh, three of six from the field, and he only played nine minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, again, it was due to injury, but he's now down under, he's down to 10.4 points per game. His three-point shooting's down to 35.2% from the field. Um, over his last four game, uh, his last five games, He's only had double figure scoring in one of those games. Yeah. But it's, but over his last, man, I want to say, what is this, a 10 game stretch? Uh, it, it's even worse than that. Over the last 11 games, Kevin Herter's averaging 6.4 points per, ga- per game. He's shooting 36% from the field and 26.8% from three. And that's over 11 games. And, you know, he's not giving you anything as an assist guy. He's not giving you anything on the glass, which is something at least he was doing early in the season where he started hitting the boards hard. And I think Mike Brown has responded relatively well, cutting him down to 19 minutes a game. And I I think it's the issue that I'm sure Mike Brown has is Mike Brown looks at the advanced statistics and he realizes that it doesn't matter how bad Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes are doing his starting lineup is still like his best lineup that he can go to. They're like 11.1 points. They're a plus 11.1 in uh, per 100 possessions as a starting group, as a five-man unit. And so they're really good. And I think teams are still fearing Kevin Herter, and they're still fearing the the fact that Harrison Barnes can shoot the three. But that won't last long if these guys are you know hovering around 9, 10 points a game. And I don't know, is there anything you're seeing that just stands out, uh, Sean, when it comes to these two and why you think they might be struggling the way they are? 
Well, I don't, I'm not so worried about Harrison Barnes uh, as much as maybe Herter because Herter is a guy you, you count on from to be able to score and to be able to shoot from the perimeter. And there's a lot of games where, you know, we've seen him go through funks and we've seen him when he's really hot, uh, start off the season terribly. Uh, he knew it, it was affecting him. And then I felt like he made some strides, some major strides and, and put some things together. And I thought um, even in this stretch, the, the stuff at home, you know, I can think of some big buckets that he came up with uh, that, that certainly propelled them. Um, and, but when you look at it as overall collective thing, especially on the road, for some reason, he's just, he just hasn't been there. Um, and even when he seemed a little bit more like himself and you had mentioned some of the work he'd done on the rebounding front and kind of helping that pick up some of that a little bit, that was helpful, but it's gone the other way. And I think also, you know, there, there, there are common threads and themes within these, these, these losses. I think the Kings are in a stretch now where they have to do some soul searching. I don't think it's, you know, no panic button at all. Um, but it is some things where Mike Brown has to tinker a little bit. And as you mentioned, you know, seeing his minutes come down a little bit, um, you know, Harrison is asked to do things that don't really show up on box scores quite often. And uh, certainly I'd like to see him be able to take the place of guys. If a guy is, isn't hitting shots or isn't a scoring factor, him being able to step into that role. Well, oftentimes by the time you figure that out, the game is already kind of out of hand. Um, it's really trying to find a way for this team to realize, Hey, the three isn't falling. Certainly you can take open shots from the perimeter, but find other ways to score, get into the paint because man, I mean, I, I talked about it in podcast prior, this team has a, an ability to win games and uh, find success when they're able to get into the paint. Uh, it, it's like a, I think they've only had like one loss uh, when they're able to get 50 points in the paint. If, if I remember correctly, uh, I haven't seen the stat in a few days, but there's a decided advantage when the Kings are able to get inside and, and score. Um, but when I was looking at this, this before they, you know, hit the holiday and went into Portland, I felt they closed in a, in a pretty disappointing way. But again, you're losing to some really good teams. You know, the Boston game is what it is. Minnesota is what it is. These are teams that give you, you know, length and physicality and stuff that you already know that you had this dates back to last season. We know all that. Um, find a nice win against Phoenix. We Phoenix is in a little bit of disarray, but then you're going in against some teams that just frankly aren't the elite. And maybe you're overlooking or just feeling like you can just walk in and, and take care of business. And you're finding sizable deficits that you have to build your way back from. And in the Atlanta game, like you mentioned, 23 point deficit, they're able to do it. Uh, and they're able to do it with some tinkering that Mike Brown did. I don't, I, I would imagine he felt like he had to do some tinkering coming into that game. Um, but I'll, I'll say you this, James, like they had lost three of four going into the Atlanta game last night. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And I'm out in about in these streets, as I like to say. Uh, yeah. And I was I was watching it at a at an establishment that was in the doco. Um, and you wouldn't know it that this team had had scuffled the way it has. I mean, granted, they win last night, they battle back. Um, you know, you're still six games over 500. I mean, this is a a really good record with, but this team has some sizable flaws. But the fan support is still just incredible i mean i'm i'm at an establishment where there's people dressed up in their jerseys and they're they've come out and made a point to really come out and support their team and uh you i i I was remarking to a couple friends of mine who are not kings fans and they're like wow really this is just a game over the hawks and these guys are cheering like they just won the super bowl i go yeah man that's called fan passion like that's what they do yeah and i said do you i was like you realize like this game's over look outside that beam is going to be on in the rain which looked really fucking cool by the way and you, they go out and you know they celebrated as if it was you know a playoff win so i'm glad that, to say that even with through the scuffles i think there's some people who are a little bit level-headed still out there and realize in the grand scheme of things even with some sizable flaws that this roster has that hopefully the front office and mike brown can figure out that also this team is really good still i mean there's six games over 500 uh if you look at it in comparison to last year you're right in a good stretch but I don't know that there's for the people who cover this in the up and down and the, you know, the up and downs of the season, that there's a big belief that they'll be able to overcome some of these flaws and not allow these flaws to become just who they are, because we already know they're a terrible defensive team. And when they're bad, they're really bad. Yeah. Like I'm watching the same thing you are. It's crazy that, you know, we talk about how they're in a rough stretch, right. And how they lost three out of four, but they've won seven out of their last 11. They're seven and four over their last 11. So they are still winning. And I just, it's the way that they lose that is always shocking. And it's only been, I think, twice this season. One was the Hawks game and one was, uh, I think, like one of the first games of the season where they came back from a big deficit. And that's it. Like everything else, they just kind of like, oh, okay, our defense isn't good enough tonight. We're just going to lose. I think Mike Brown, Mike Brown did a couple of things in the Hawks game, which I think were really impactful. Number one, I, I want like 
Trey Lyles needs, you know, his flowers. He had his best game of the season by a long shot, 19.6 rebounds. Um, this team is always, he's an element that when he is playing well, the Kings are really tough to beat. And I don't know why that is because he should just be like your everyday average backup power forward. But there's something about a big, a Trey day that impacts the the team's ability to actually come away with a win. And um, so I, I would point that out. I'd also say that Mike Brown, instead of going to JaVale McGee, went to Alex Len. And Alex Len was tremendous. Like, I at the point when Alex came in the first time, Domas was running a negative 30 on the game. He was a minus 30. Him and Keegan Murray were both minus 30s. Alex Lynn came in and in like five minutes was a plus 17. And I would like to tell you that, oh, you know, plus minus is a horrible stat. And, but there are certain times where you look at it, it is, it is, it is, is. but there are times wasn't going up against Clint Capella as much as Domas was. Of course not. You know, but, and they didn't have Deandre Hunter and there's some size, you know, it's, it's different. I get what you're saying though. He was super impactful though. He was very good. But there are times where plus minus and you're watching the game, it it matches the eye test. And I thought that Alex Lim was tremendous. And so Alex Lim was good. And then the other guy is I didn't expect them to go to Davion Mitchell. <laughs> by, by the way, I just had to glance at it. Um, Domas finished minus four. Yeah, he finished minus four. That that was a crazy thing. I, he was really good in the second half. It was Plus a, minus again, doesn't mean shit. I tell you all the time. <laughs> it's a weird anomaly. Totally. But. Um, the other guy who, I, and this is why I, I, again, plus minus, you can throw out the window. And sometimes there are other stats you can just throw out the window. I thought that Davion Mitchell was incredible in that game. I thought he played really well defensively. And anything he did on the offensive end, he was aggressive and didn't hesitate. And I thought it was one of his best games. I think he earned a longer look. I was very surprised that he got a look because Keon Ellis against Trey, uh, against Trey Young, to me, made more sense just because of uh, Ellis's ability to get through screens and the fact that he picks up full court, a lot of things. But He's got a size advantage too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I let's that... not forget that, like, that. I think people don't realize that as much as it. I mean, Davion Mitchell being on the bench in place of Keon Ellis a lot of times has to do with size. You know, yeah. a guy who's obviously Keon earned a spot, right? He came in, he, you know, Mike Brown has talked about that and we've detailed that here, how he won his spot. But mm-hmm. him playing well, being able to pick up the pace, hold his mud, and also have some decided size over over Davion, who obviously is a much much better defender. Uh, you're 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 giving it you're giving it the 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 look it should get at that time because, you know, in addition to Davion not having the size, he also became a little bit of a dribble the ball into the ground, walk the ball up the court, not have the speed. And let's be honest, it's not like he's, you know, a sharpshooter. So we we understood why things were happening. But also when Keon came in, he captured it and the team hadn't lost. Remember, we were looking at the yeah. since he had been brought into the rotation and elevated in the rotation. They, they were like six and one or something like that at, at one point. Um, it's that six game uh, winning streak. He came yeah. in late in the Houston game. He played well. I, I think he, he has kind of like he's kind of declined slightly. I he think has. people... I don't know that they're scouting him, but they're at least talking about him when they're when they're preparing for a game and the energy that he brings. And I don't think that he's, you know, just flat out he's lost his job and it's going to Davion now. We're only going to see Davion. Uh, but I also know that like Davion did exactly what we've been waiting for. He 
he was impactful in a different way. And that's something that, again, we've been waiting for it, right? Like come in the game and look like you belong with the team that you're playing for. So many times this year, he's a square peg in a round hole. And I feel for him because I don't think he's a bad NBA player. I just think he's on the wrong team. And sure, the Kings need a defensive-minded guy, but the things that he can't bring and, and the way that he plays, the the style of basketball he wants to play, it's just not Sacramento Kings basketball. And it's unfortunate. But again, in this game, I thought he was really good. And, and it really didn't show up in the box score. Like uh, He had a, a relatively quiet box score. But again, sometimes it just means so much more like how a player is on the court than than any box score can tell you. Yeah, he finishes with two points, with two assists. Uh, he doesn't have a steal. He has two personal fouls and a negative one in 13 minutes, but a negative one when the game was completely out of hand at one point, And I thought he came in and helped stabilize. So, and not only that, but let's, let's, you know, for a team that's been just absolutely terrible defensively. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, he had him, I'd say Malik Monk, I think Chris Duarte. Um, you mentioned obviously what Trey Lyles was doing off the bench and from a scoring standpoint, but these guys came in and they, you know, collectively as a group, the whole team, they held the Hawks to just 39 points in that second half. Yeah, they gave about 36, 36 in the first quarter, 35 in the second quarter, 39 in the second half. Yeah, and that's that dates back to last season. Best defensive. I mean, Mike Brown even made, made a comment after the game. He's like, I don't think that's happened since I've been here. It's like, well, no, it happened once. But you're, but to that point, it just never happens. Like a, a defensive effort like that from Sacramento never happens. And I think Davion is a big reason why. Um you know, I, I do push back a little bit on like Davion as a part of Kings basketball. If, 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 if he can keep his foot on the gas and, and lead the charge, like I keep going back to the preseason. I, I remember looking at what Davion did last year uh, and it didn't take away from the identity of the, this team playing fast when he was on the court um, preseason. He's pushing the pace. I thought, shoot, I thought he was pushing the pace even more so than what he had seen in, in the previous season. But then, for whatever reason, you get into the into the season, and it's just like they're playing in mud. What are they doing? Why are they walking the ball up the court? You know? But yeah, remember the five games that De'Aaron Fox missed. They right. they were like a one oh two pace before he got hurt, and they dropped to like a ninety three pace over the five games. He just wasn't able to push the tempo. He wasn't able to do play the style of basketball the Kings were trying to play. Right. So, um. Like, let's get to the the bigger discussion here with with both Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter. We saw Mike Brown go to Chris Duarte um, early and then played Duarte a lot. I think he ended up with 26 minutes. Duarte has settled down. He's not fouling everybody every single time he steps on the court, which is a good thing. That way, I mean, that just was, he was unplayable early in the season because of that. Yeah. Completely agree, yeah. And so now I still don't think he's like in the flow, but his aggressiveness and his defensive pressure to me, it does stand out. You can see it right away. And it also stood out that, you know, Atlanta has two kind of smaller guards. Uh, you know, Trey Young, of course, is tiny, but uh, but DeJounte Murray is also like he might weigh like 170 pounds. Right. Um, he's he's six five, but he's a really skinny six five. I thought that that uh, Kevin Herter had no answer for the small guards. And it was like, Ooh, they're just picking on him every single play. And I think Duarte did a much better job. And and I think Duarte is quietly earning minutes. Uh, maybe he's back in the rotation, especially 
He'll probably start if uh, Kevin Herter misses any time. But the 11-game stretch here that that Kevin Herter has had, it really does kind of make you wonder, like, what exactly are the Kings going to do? They're not going to sit, stand pat. I'm already hearing some murmurs of, of, you know, that he might be part of, like, conversations and stuff like that. But I don't know what exactly you're going to get from a guy who who just is struggling so uh, so badly. And I, I still think Kevin Herter is a good basketball player. I just think for whatever reason, um, he's got a little bit of a hitch in his three-point shot, for sure. And then on top of that, he just hasn't found his his way in this season like he did last year, where he was the Kings' third leading scorer and averaged over 15 a game. Yeah, I mean, he's still a lot of season left. I um, think that he can, you know, one game, uh, I know he's on a stretch here, but like in the talking about Duarte, like I don't think that Duarte comes in and all of a sudden gets, you know, the keys back again. I think, you know, realizing that it's a one game thing, certainly you like the effort. Um, but is there the trust? Can you get past what he's been doing with, with fouling to start the season? Um, you know, him getting, him having to maximize his ability when he's on the floor and maximize those minutes, I think is an adjustment. I think before he was in a situation where he knew he'd get 20, 25 minutes a game um, in an in a Indiana Pacers season coming out of his rookie year, knowing he's going to be able to play. And then it dwindles down, you know, and now you have to make the most out of, possibility of playing anywhere from nine to 15 minutes and that i think is a can be not only a tough thing for a lot of players but tough thing for people who are typically playing 20 25 minutes so um fun to see him come in and be able to react the way he does i agree with you i think he's the number one guy uh to 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 fill in for herder if herder misses the game against memphis but look whether herder look ever this league is having conversation about everybody you know trade, trade deadline is right around the corner. It's not far away. Um, I think you have a good idea of what teams are right now, but I still feel like there's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde in the NBA night in, night out. Like there's a handful of teams that are showing to be really, really good. Um, I think a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, teams like the T-Wolves who are number one in the West, there was still probably some doubt as to whether or not they could continue this, this hot, this hot streak um, and, and continue to, show that they're one of the elite teams in the league. I don't think they're going anywhere, James. And, and, you know, there's, you know, all of a sudden the Lakers who look really, really good in the in-season tournament have had struggles outside of that. You see what the Warriors are doing. You know, Draymond Green could be back, who knows, another week, maybe two weeks, maybe a month. I mean, not a lot of conversations coming out of there, but they they tend to scuffle a little bit uh, after they get out to a really nice start after the initial games that Draymond's out. And then all of a sudden – You've got scuffles going on with the Warriors, so the Suns. I don't even know if it matters. I don't even know if it matters if Draymond Green comes back, like whether they're a better team at this point. Right, it may, it may not. I mean, they've again they've shown the ability to win without him uh, in in this small stretch, small sample size. But then again, some of the some of the woes are coming back again, and they they're having some issues. Phoenix, I still think, is a very crazy build of. I mean, they have no bench. Um, They still haven't had Bradley Beal had what one one game with all three of them so uh it's a it's just a lot of Jekyll and Hyde especially in the west right now and I think that you can group the Kings right into that by virtue of the way they look when things aren't going well and they obviously have a lot of uh problems to address I don't think personally that Kevin Herter is one of them but certainly if you're making moves you got to give something to get something and I think a lot of times fans and media are guilty of this is 
they'll try to find, okay, well, what, what, what let's take Davion Mitchell, who isn't in the rotation. Let's yep. take uh, Kevin Hurt or Harrison Barnes, who, you know, in most people's minds has been a, a non-factor this season. And then, oh, let's take Kevin Herter or something like that, who who is struggling. And then all of a sudden turn that into some diamond that just comes over to the King's way, you know, like realistically, you're not putting together a bag of shit and getting a diamond, you know? So thus why you look at OG and uh, not necessarily saying that, that the Raptor, that the Raptors got a diamond in return, but they do have a player who's under contract who scores at a pretty high rate in RJ Barrett. You've got another primary ball handler in Emmanuel quickly. And the Knicks are going all in on saying, we don't really have a guarantee but here is a player that we now get the first chance at signing and hopefully see how he meshes with our two stars in Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, so I think that that's where we take this discussion is that the NBA world, like, I mean, I think it it was put on notice today uh, with the trade of OG Ananobi because it basically it kicks off the trade season, which I didn't think would happen this early, but it's, it's clearly it's here. Trade season's here. Um, and it sure does look like the Toronto Raptors are open for business. And I think a lot of Kings fans, like as soon as OG Ananobi gets traded, your first reaction is, Oh, why couldn't it have been the Kings? Right. And, and that's a, it's, it's a, it's a perfectly fine uh, question because, you know, the Kings clearly have been interested in OG Ananobi in the past. There is no hiding from that. There, there has been interest between those, uh, well, at least on the King side for, for bringing OG and Anobi in. But when you see that the way that the deal is, is cr- uh, crafted for uh, in the deal with the Knicks, where again, they give up, you know, quickly and they give it RJ Barrett and, and only a second round pick. And they also took back, uh, what was it? Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn. Oh yeah, Malachi Flynn. Um, anyway, the way that that trade works, eh, eh, like the Kings don't have that; they don't have that to offer. So when you hear this thing, where you know again the Kings are not going to uh, put Keegan Murray in a trade, and whether that's true on this February seventh or eighth or or not, um, you know. But when you hear that now, like we just saw the trade that would have happened if the Kings were going to put Keegan Murray in the trade, you would have like, you would have been able to get OG and Anobi most likely in a trade. If that's, if that's what you wanted to do. And if you wanted to uh, put Keegan Murray in it and the Kings don't want to. Um, so the thing is that after you get past that, 
the Kings don't have that trade to offer to Toronto. Now, Toronto is is a very specific case, right? They want to get young, but they don't want to get so young that they're starting over. They've got Scotty Barnes. They're looking for 22, 23-year-olds to fit with Scotty Barnes. So that trade makes perfect sense to me. And, and, uh, and the Kings don't have that trade. The only thing the Kings could have offered was either Harrison Barnes or uh, Kevin Herter, and then like a couple of first round picks. And if that's not where Toronto's going, and especially the first round picks can't be until like 2026, 2028, then you're not going to get that deal, right? That that deal, it's going to go to the Knicks. That's They've got a better offer. But every team that around the league is in a different position. And so I wouldn't think like, just because the Kings couldn't get OG and Anobi in this trade, that doesn't mean that they won't be part of another trade because there's always teams that are looking to shed right. salary or move off of a veteran or, or do, I mean, again, people need to remember Harrison Barnes came to the Kings basically for free. It was Justin Jackson and the expiring contract of Zach Randolph, who the Kings had literally told, don't even show up. You don't need to come to the facility or anything else the whole season. And so you were able to get a, like at that point, like a 26, 27 year old Harrison Barnes for basically free. I don't know if that trade's going to come up again, but I certainly think that the Kings are going to be aggressive and there are, they are going to try to get one of these deals done. It's just, this wasn't the deal that was going to happen. Um, but Sean, it brings me to the, the bigger question now is, do you think that because that deal didn't happen, uh, but the way that the, the trade was structured, do you think it's more likely that Pascal Siakam gets traded? And do you think the Kings have an opportunity to get in on that trade? Because even if it's even though it's the same team, they already like got two young pieces to go with their their young player, and they might look to to do something different there. They might not lo- be looking for the same package for for Pascal Siakam that they were for OG Ananobi. Well, yeah, I mean, they in RJ Barrett, they got a primary scoring option who's under team control for for some time. You know, he's mm-hmm. not approaching free agency like Ananobi and like you know, pressure. Or excuse me, like Pascal Siakam is. So, if Toronto feels like they have to get something for him, yes. But if you're telling, if you're asking me, does Masai Ujiri and the Raptors think that at this point, bringing in RJ Barrett does that change the calculus? And they say, okay, do we? try to keep Pascal Siakam. If I'm them, I probably would. I know that the the age isn't completely lined up. They're a little bit younger now, uh, but he's still a hell of a player. And he's a hell of a player that people want, including the Kings, if they're smart. Um, so if there's, if there's, you know, a package that can be made, sure. But uh, it, it, I, I wouldn't necessarily rule out the possibility of the Raptors necessarily trying to, you know, play ball with Siakam and keep him in a Raptors uniform at this point. It's yeah. a trouble. It's a tough part, though. Him heading into free agency. There's a there's a rumor out there that I've read, and I think it's a pretty well sourced rumor that the Raptors and Siakam had scheduled had set December 30th with today as the day that they were either going to do an extension or that they weren't going to have extension talks anymore, and then whatever happens in free agency happens. Um, that deadline is is literally coming and going at, at, like as we're talking on this podcast. Now, whether that's a hundred percent, who knows? Like if, if Toronto comes back to him and says, Hey, look, you know, let's just, let's get a deal done. Um, then maybe it does happen that way. But I also like, he's 29 and you know, uh, 
he he'll I think he turns 30 before next season. Like this is a guy that really doesn't fit the 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 time arc of the team we're talking about. Um, you know, if you're looking at RJ Barrett at 23 and and uh Scotty Scotty Barnes is what 22 and uh and Emmanuel Quickly is 24. So and the other thing with uh when it comes to Siakam is that he makes 38 million bucks. And so in order to make a trade with a team like Toronto, you got to pile in a bunch of contracts and they're going to have to take veterans. There's there aren't young players that make 20 something million dollars that you you can take in a trade for Pascal Siakam that a team is going to be willing to to put out there. So I would assume that like any trade that does happen with him, it's going to, it's going to have players like a Harrison Barnes. It's going to have players like a Kevin Herter. And I, I don't know, you know, it might come down to draft capital or maybe do you have a young player that they like or not. Um, but I'm going to say that I, I think the Kings are probably still intrigued by what's happening there and probably still on the phone and, and seeing if, if Siakam is going to become available, especially with, you know, their need for more rebounding, their need for maybe even a, another primary score, a guy who can be a number two score for you until, Absolutely. and, and uh, you know, Sean, I think what it would do, it buy you, it buy you a year or two to allow Keegan Murray to become the player he's going to be and not worry about it right now. We're so high on Keegan Murray there because he busts out with 47 points and then 25 points. Well, Keegan Murray's had a couple of stinkers in a row and that's just being a young player. Like it's I, just I basketball. You know, yeah, it's basketball. it is yeah. right. He He's just a, he's just a second year player, you know, and he's got 110 games under his belt or something. And he's going to have some ups and downs getting a player. If you were somehow able to do it, like OG and would really help balance. I mean, like uh Pascal Siakam would really help you balance out what you're doing going forward. I think um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wouldn't work. Maybe you can't get him but I still think the Kings are going to be, uh, they're going to at least call. Um, and I know that they've already had discussions in the past. So I would assume that they're going to have more discussions when it comes to, to Pascal Siakam. Well, and, it, and it, not to use a draft day uh, reference from the movie draft day, but the conversations as they evolve, I mean, so does the league. I mean, and OG Ananobi's on a different team now. So, mm-hmm. you know, just the asking price of Pascal Siakam increase, decrease, you know, things like that. Like there's, the whole world, the landscape is different uh, days later. And as you go into 2024, you get to mid-January, you get to end of January, things are a little bit different then too. So um, yeah, you got about a month, <laughs> you know? And I, I kind of expect some more moves to be, maybe not from a King standpoint, but I think that this is going to be uh, a fairly busy uh, trade deadline. And I think a lot of things will happen before the deadline um, as you get closer for sure. But I think you're going to see a little bit of activity and some player movement before that uh, gets to the hardcore deadline. Yeah, I I think so too. I think this was just like the beginning, the beginning of what we're going to see. And I think it's going to be a wild six weeks, five weeks um, moving forward. And and I think in Sacramento too, because like, look, the Kings know where they are. Like, I I don't think there's anyone within the walls there that um, are questioning, you know, whether this team needs to add or not. Like oh, you're know. seeing, yeah, you're, you're seeing the inconsistency of this team. You're seeing that, you know, they're really good, but can they get to be, can they hit the great mark? 
and that's difficult. Like it doesn't matter how much Mike Brown wants to coach his team uh, to play defense. They still don't do it on right. a nightly basis. You know, sure. They can do it in the second half, but you know, you can get praised for scoring 30 uh, to, for holding a team to 39 in the second half. But when you gave up 70 or real close to it in the first half, like, okay, that, that's not great. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do and they probably need different players than what they have on their roster right now. Uh, and, and I, again, I think, um, I was on the OG Ananobi camp and I think I shifted off of the OG Ananobi camp, uh, to the Pascal Siakam camp, like maybe was it two weeks ago. And then I was kind of teetering again once Keegan Murray had this blow up stretch. And now I'm like, no, the Kings would be better if they had a second, if their number two scorer was Pascal Siakam and their number three scorer was Keegan Murray and their number four score was Demonis Sabonis running everything uh, through his stuff. So who knows well, if that not, can happen? Let's also not take away. I mean, Pascal Siakam's a decent defender. He's not a great defender like Ananobi yeah. is. I mean, Ananobi's an elite defender. <clears throat> Pascal Siakam is a very active player and he's a long player and he's got, you know, tremendous size at the wing position. That's what they need. It's exactly what they need. So mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have, but, and again, Ananobi might be a, a solid scorer. He might become what Siakam has been, which is a 20-plus point scorer in the league. That's fine. But the one thing you know is Pascal Siakam will help you everywhere. He's already in the prime of his career. Oh, yeah. Well, not only that, but, Sean, if you were able to add a guy who, you know, for his career is around seven, seven and a half rebounds per game instead of, you know, what you have right now, that that would be tremendous. Like if you have two forwards that can get you 14 rebounds a game or 13 rebounds a game, as opposed to right now, what you're getting is around eight. That's a substantial difference. And it would take a lot of pressure off Demona Sabonis. Also having another primary scorer, having a guy that walks in and can get you 20 on, on not any night, but every night, uh, just look at what that would, the pressure it would take off of Sabonis and allow him to do what he does, but without having all of these bodies around him, because you have to defend that guy at all times. Like Siakam is a dangerous, dangerous player. Um, so the rebounding's there, the scoring is there. And then, oh, by the way, he, the last three seasons is like 5.4 assists, 5.8 assists and 5.2 assists. When Sabonis steps off the court, you can have him become your primary hub that you run the ball through and he can create for you without it just being on Malik Monk. Um, And I I just think that there's a lot of avenues where you could be really good with a player like that. And if you want to be a team that talks about having championship, uh, you know, ideas, you got to go out and, and get a player like this. This is what you have to do if, if you want to be that team. Um, so yeah, I'd put him on a short list of players that the Kings, uh, are, and will be interested in here in the next coming weeks. Yeah. With respect to what Mike Brown talks about, how hard it is from going to good to great, he's not wrong, but this is, this is how you go from good to great. You know, that's, that's how you do it with, without blowing up what you are and having your team make these drastic strides, uh, on the defensive end. It's like, well, get them, you have to give them, get them personnel because, through two a season and a half, really more like two and a half seasons, you know, you already know you haven't been a good defensive team and you tried to add some pieces uh, that can help that. But 
that helps you go from good to great in my no, opinion. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and, and this team has uh, the potential. It's it's there, but I, I think they are one move away from at least from from being like that team. And it's something too that I I like people forget the Kings traded like in what 2001 they traded Jason Williams for Mike Bibby like trades happen you know what I mean like what what do you mean yes trades happen (laughs) well no but the team that that got you to the playoffs this last year that rarely is that the team that gets you over the hump right rarely is that the team that that you like finish with it's not the finished product no. And sometimes you gotta you gotta rip off the band aid and, and make some hard decisions on players who you know have played really well for you in the past in order to take that next step. And sometimes you gotta take some risks. And I, yeah, I, I definitely mean, you don't have to go that far back. Tyrese Halliburton for Domas Sabonis. Oh and yeah, it, that that that's that was your your franchise altering move that completely shifted course. It's like you are no longer this team. You are this team. And you became a good team uh, and and you're reaping the benefits of that. And you have to build around that. And now you're at another crossroads again, coming up at the trade deadline where it's, you've already hitched your wagon to Domas and Fox. You've got players that are aligned with them, both in age and contracts. And you have a nice budding player. I don't want to call him a star, but you have a nice budding talent in Keegan Murray who can, you know, be everything you want him to be you know, how do you build around that? How do you make that around and making moves like, you know, uh, Pascal Siakam or of the, or, or other players like that, you know, you have to bring in those types of players and each time you do it, there's no guarantee it works, but each time you do it, it is a risk. That's true. Um, all right, Sean, let's get to uh, the business of basketball. Um, like we always talk about needs and we always talk like what do the kings need and all that stuff i'm going to ask you the reverse is there a player or a type of of player out there that you look at that you're like i really hope the kings avoid this mm. yeah well i'd say um what comes to mind when i think of a player i don't want to see on the sacramento kings is a player who's just a chucker, a guy who comes in and just throws up, you know, 20 plus shots a game. Like, look, this is an equal opportunity offense and you're going to get, you're going to get shots. You're going to get scoring opportunity. Um, but having a, a absolute James Harden type player. Now, granted he, he's a playmaker as well. So I don't want to, you know, take away that type of, of a player, but somebody who obviously gets a lot of shots up, um gets to the free throw line can be considered a little bit of a ball hog at times is not really what they need um that being said you know Siakam can get some shots up so I don't I don't want to contradict myself I, I want to obviously show that but you, you need a player that's not one-dimensional and if scoring is the only thing that they do you got plenty of scoring throughout your roster that that should not be what you're shopping for you should be shopping for wins and things to improve what you already do and, and make things better and just, and just upgrade. So yeah, I, I don't particularly look at somebody who can just be an Allen Iverson type player who just throws up 30 shots a game to get 30 points. You know, I, I don't like that. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, Pascal Siakam on the season is averaging 16 field goal attempts per game, but he's shooting 50.9% from the field. He's down. His three-point numbers are like really down. Really down from the perimeter. But I really expect, like, if you were to put him in a system like the Kings, where he doesn't have to be the primary all the time. And the ball moves. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of times where he would actually just be a catch-and-shoot guy. And I think he can he can up his all of his numbers across the board. Um, I think right now the fact that they're losing, the fact that you know, like it's a bit of a panic there, and uh, and they have a new coaching staff and everything else. I just kind of feel like he probably is 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 doing too much in, in his current role. And I think if he had less, he would probably be better. Um, yeah. So I would agree with you, Sean. I, I would say the player that you described is exactly what I hope the Kings avoid. And I hope that they, they don't make a move just to make a move. That's this team needs to make a move because they, they need to get better. Right. Right. And I think the, uh, I don't even know how this would work because it's so extreme, the salary, but making a move to make a move and, and choosing the wrong player for me, it's Zach Levine. And yeah. and, And so, and, and I know that Zach Levine would like to play, for the Sacramento Kings. There's no question about that. Um, I've heard that on from multiple sources that he would love to play here and not just like reading stuff on the internet. Um, but I also think that there are people within the walls of the the Kings franchise that would like him to play for the Kings, that, that yes. like what he brings. That is true. And, and I just think that that's a horrible mistake. Um, and, yeah, and that's not, just my opinion, but, you know. I don't want to pay $200 million for a guy who doesn't play defense and, and who is one dimensional. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, it's not, uh, I don't see, I don't see how you, you know, I'm trying to find a funny analogy, but I don't see how you go and become this. Like, I just don't see how you become better. Like, how, how did you shop for wins by adding more scoring, you know, to your, to, and again, it depends on who's going out, out the door, but that doesn't seem like the, if you're keeping your core intact, it doesn't seem like, what you what you need it's the type of scoring sean right you know i think that's the problem it's i think we can all see where you know like it doesn't matter how we turn it like tyrese halliburton and De'Aaron fox and their short time together they weren't working together and we're seeing what fox looks like without halliburton we're seeing what halliburton looks like without fox like both players are finding massive amounts of success without each other i don't think adding a player like that on the in the backcourt would make any sense at all and again i i just don't think that there's uh like that to me would be like an egregious error and i don't think that that's something that monty mcnair would do um but unless then again, it's, unless it's part of like a like i can if you're making several moves at the deadline and your team is all of a sudden going to look dramatically different you know let's say for example kevin herter's off the team and you have zach levine in place but then you go and find that that wing player elsewhere, whether it's, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see a team being able to bring it. I don't see the Kings being able to bring in Siakam and Levine together, but something like that, if you're able to, you know, you're bringing, you're, you're upgrading another role in, in, in the opinion of many of saying, okay, Zach Levine over Kevin Herter. And then you're still adding to that, to a wing position or at least a, more suitable for so that Keegan is more of a three and uh, you know, I don't necessarily love that, but uh, at least it kind of makes some sense and, and, and maybe, but then you, then you have my attention, but 
as currently constructed with the core that you have. I just don't see how that works. That would be an $80 million addition, $80 <laughs> yeah, million per season addition. There's no way to do that without yeah. either DeMontis Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox being involved. There, there's just sure. not. You make yeah. you you know what you do is you pay a lot in luxury tax. And well, yeah, but like that. just the dynamics of trades, right. there's no way to do it. There's no. no way to do it. Yeah. So I mean, you would literally have to trade every single player not named De'Aaron Fox or or Demonis Sabonis. I mean, we're talking Keegan Murray, we're talking to everybody. And even still, even Malik Monk would have to go. And I don't even think you could still come up with the the sheer dollar amount because you got to be within uh well and take take siakam off of there like if you're saying levine and let's say it's a keldon johnson it's a there's oh, a, yeah. a whatever three out there like you end up with some sort of other player that can take the place of the siakam role then sure like if there's if there's a diagram out there that where you're adding two or three pieces to your team and you're upgrading almost every position then i'm all in, then i'd be all in for a zach levine addition what I'm saying is Zach Levine is currently, con you know, constructed. And let's say it's the one upgrade you're making to your roster at the trade deadline. Well, then it doesn't really make all that much sense. But yeah, if your team is looking dramatically different come trade deadline and Zach Levine is a part of it, well, then you have my attention. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I, I would just kind of like put it this way. If you're going to go out and get Levine then you better also find a way to go get Matisse Thibel and um, and a guy like, I don't know, um, like you'd have to have two other defenders that you're going to get in addition to that. And it just guys that straight up just play defense. And, and, and maybe that's maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's the, 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 the path that they're looking at. I think we say no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it just depends on what what those pieces are. Right. Like, Stauskas you know, or Peyton, we say no, neither, no neither, <laughs> neither. <laughs> uh, sweet. Okay, Sean, uh, before we I mean, final like, thoughts, think about it. I mean, I, there's another name that's that's been surfacing, I think, this oh. week since our last podcast, and that's it's a warrior, Andrew Wiggins. Oh, would you take Wiggins? I would like you Wiggins. do a straight up swap of Wiggins for Barnes? Probably. Probably. All right. Hmm. But I don't know that that's the, I don't think, I don't, I don't know that that's what it would center on, but it would be, uh, be interesting. I will tell you while we're, we're recording this podcast, one of the greatest games I've seen yeah. is happening. I keep the looking up. Go ahead. Go football ahead. game is absolutely nuts. The, the Detroit lions just went for two down one. With 23 seconds left, they marched all the way down the field and scored a touchdown. They went for two and just took a 21 to 20 lead over the Dallas Cowboys with 23 seconds left, which is actually a big deal for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, if the Cowboys would have beat the Lions, it would have made their path to get into the playoffs much easier. I mean, to have yeah. the number one seed a lot easier. Um, they still can be the number one seed by winning out the next two games, but um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely wild, wild football game. And Sean, and also, go ahead. Well, I was going to say because I kept getting distracted by the uh, the Warriors falling to the Mavs, but also the Pistons being, you know, able to snap the twenty eight game losing streak. Uh, and good for that man. The, the the Raptors who were down three players, they beat them by two, 
So the, the streak comes to an end, and it was funny because I had just made a note of this, and I got to find it. Uh, but to, to see that the... To, to see that the Pistons win means they fall one game shy of the American Canadian four. What was it? The uh, the four major American Canadian leagues, and they fall one shy of the record, one loss shy of the record. And it was the it was Chicago Cardinals during World War II. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Hey, Sean, they have now yeah. taken the two points off the board. It's off the board. Back to the football game. It was a tackle eligible touchdown, and they're going to go for it again from the seven yard line, risk their entire. Uh, oh my gosh, this is absolutely well, wild. What is happening? We can we have can to pause explain that it's, it's the it's it's Jared Goff and the Lions who have the ball, and they're yes. going for it. The Lions are are uh, they Jared Goff steps back. <laughs> Uh, you're on and it's intercepted. Yeah, it's he got he got he got leveled, and there's a flag on the play. So good luck. <laughs> now there's be... going to be another flag, and it's clearly going to likely be holding on the defense. <laughs> I don't know why they don't just kick the extra point. Oh yeah, that's uh, offsides oh, on Micah Parsons. We're gonna do this all over again. Uh, oh. Okay, <laughs> this is this is what wild. a way to see Lamb who's hanging his head. And you know what, Sean? The the beauty of this whole thing. I have CD Lamb in my fantasy football uh, Super Bowl Super Bowl oh, this Super week. Bowl. He has twenty eight point seven points. He's gone for like well over two hundred yards receiving. I might actually get more yards here if they score this because it would actually give him an opportunity to get the ball back. This is absolutely bonkers. Oh. I can't believe. Oh, don't look. <laughs> oh, the Lions do not get the two point conversion. A huge victory for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, although they will kick an onside kick. And who right, knows? There's still Maybe 23 seconds left. So. Yeah, this is this is wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, we've been sidetracked here. We've been bamboozled. Um, Sean, uh, let's just hit this really quick before we get to um, final thoughts. Uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Are you a New no. Year's resolution guy? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a New, new Year's. I'm always, I always... I'm the guy that hopes everybody prospers and finds health and happiness and has a, has a great time. I think the only resolution I would make is that uh, uh, I'd like to attend more concerts this year. I, I didn't do uh, my, people think I go to a lot of concerts as is, but um, didn't do as much as I had hoped this past year. So uh, probably we'll do a little bit more in that regard. So that's my hope. Hmm. Okay. James is glued to the football game. No, I'm all right. Uh, my uh, my, f- uh, see New Year's resolution. I need to do a better job of of maintaining my back throughout the year. Um, like we we start. I, I will tell you the uh, the f- working Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for four hours straight um, in a chair. Like like the recovery for me is crazy. And it's not good. So do you have I one need... of those standing? Uh, you get the standing things. I mean, workplaces provide those. Um, actually, I think I can stand up while we do it. But when your back gets to a point like mine is, my core is so bad because I can't. Uh, if I'm walking, I'm fine. If I'm just standing, I'm in as much or more pain than I am mm. if I'm sitting. So yeah. the best thing I can do is lay down, like even if, like a zero G. Like that's the best thing I can do. 
Um, yeah. Just get it, you an it, inversion table where you're just hanging upside down and you're just doing the, I have uh, one. Doing the show. Yeah. Just strap yeah, that just, in. You, you, you hang upside down. You decompress all that. Maybe just for an hour of the show. And, <laughs> and that will solve probably not all the ailments because your back is it's jacked. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, only only God and modern med- uh, modern surgery could probably uh, fix fix that. So and who knows if that would even yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? So and even uh, then, yeah. All right. Do we have any final thoughts, Sean? Uh, well, yeah. The Cowboys are going to win, so they just collected the uh, onside kick. So that's uh, you can, we can lay that to rest for the people <laughs> hanging on this game. Very and good uh, people out there. Yeah. Final final thoughts. Uh, Happy New Year's, everyone. Be safe yeah. and sane and. Uh, I I don't know how people will be celebrating, but I'm going to imbibe and uh, do so responsibly and uh, be around a lot of friends. So um, looking forward to it. Uh, I'm also looking forward to a few days off, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Even around the holidays, I, I this past week was good. I was able to kind of take some take a few days off, and uh, and it's great. And then you know, looking at the Niners schedule it's it's going to be a fun one i mean this thing's going to get going playoffs right around the corner so um be busy with that but yeah man just uh hoping everybody out there had a great christmas and wonderful new years and happy to keep this thing going into the fun part of the season so yeah me too um okay so james's final thoughts um number one uh go team rolling with my homies uh it's my fantasy team me and my my son share um, we're going for our third championship in like six years. Um, it didn't look we, like you were going to make the uh, championship team the way you were talking about your uh, early on. Yeah, your, your, uh, so good luck. I think we were we were four and five and haven't lost since. Um, yeah, so we've been on a on a roll. It's been a, it's a, been a good stretch, and uh, that's something that I will tell you. Like if you're out there and you're a fantasy football player, and like for me, I've played forever. Like I think this is my thirty fourth season playing fantasy football. Um, I added my son to the mix. Uh, like it was the first year that Patrick Mahomes was a starter for, uh, for the chiefs. And that's been the best thing ever. It's so much fun playing with him. And, uh, we, we get in like little skirmishes about who and what we're going to do. And I make draft mistakes. He make draft mistakes, but, uh, I think like having another generation, it just, it's made me like really, really enjoy it and have a good time with it. So, um, outside of that, uh, be safe. Uh, have a great new year. We'll be back early next week. Hopefully Can I say we one have... more thing? Yep. One more thing. Uh, is cause we talk a lot of movies on here and oh, yeah. I, I saw the movie, uh, poor things, which is, uh, Oh, I want to see it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you do. Um, because I don't know if it was good. <laughs> I don't know if I loved it but I have not been able to stop thinking about it. It is a wild movie. <clears throat> Anyone who says it's the female Frankenstein it isn't doing the movie justice. It is a trip. And I would like to, I've read a lot of things about it. There's people who either love it or hate it. And uh, I want to see where maybe some of our commenters, if they've seen it, hopefully they can comment in the YouTube section because I honestly don't know what I thought of it. I, I kind of want to see it again. It is a wild ride no matter what you think of the movie i think she is absolutely fantastic so crazy that's my my review of poor things i don't know what to make of it 
You don't know what to make of it. Okay. Wow. Uh, I, I will probably go see it. It's uh, it's on my list because uh, it's just something that really, really is intriguing. I don't know who who's a director who who's Yorgos Lan- I'm gonna get his name is like Lanthimos. Something he did the favorite, which I really liked with Emma Stone and um and really solid movie if uh, if you haven't seen that one. I think it's like Rachel Weiss and um um Olivia Coleman. It's it's very much a like king and queen kind of a ordeal. So um that movie is a trip. Uh, I really enjoyed that one, but yeah, this one. He's a, uh, it's like Willem Dafoe is in it. Mark Ruffalo is in it. Mm. Jared Carmichael's in it. Um, just a wild ride, man. I like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. 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 Great actor. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat podcast. Uh, make sure if you're still watching here us on YouTube, on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. If you don't mind. Uh, give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That would be great. Uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com and become a premium subscriber to get invitations to everything that we do here. Uh, Brennan will be back this week, uh, just a weekend away, which is great for Brendan. Um, and Sean and I are both uh, probably going to tie one on tomorrow. Uh, good for us. Um, Where are you going? After the game. I think we're just going down the street to some friend's house. Uh, so we don't have to go anywhere far and then we can get home and like it should be a, an easy night. Um, I don't know. I, I've got a lot of whiskey here. I might just stay here and have a good night here at the house. Sean? One of my birthday gifts was the LeBron James tequila, which I have not tried yet. Um, oh. I don't remember the name of it offhand, but uh, I was gifted that. And uh, I'm hearing great things. So okay. I'd like to get to it. I know uh, Charlie from ESPN 1320 got, a, got all of us a bottle of Rittenhouse, I think, which is 100 proof whiskey. that'll get the job done yeah i can also like uh like blow flames into the air just it's (laughs) it's a little crazy um but yeah i don't know we'll see should be a good a good couple of days here uh the kings do face the uh oh memphis Memphis grizzlies Grizzlies. john morant back john morant is back playing playing. kind of well yeah well they went on a run but then he sat a game and they lost i don't know if they've lost with him yet i um, but he can't miss too many more games, Sean, or they're not going to, they're going to be eliminated from the playoffs already. Uh, did you see that their, uh, their, their, their goal, which was, a, I think a really solid goal to have, they just want to return to 500. And if you can do that, that's, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Um, you know, uh, but it, it's not like they're that far. They're 10 and 21. Right. Uh, and they've lost two in a row. And so, yeah, that, I mean, that's, it's a lofty goal, but I mean, the Kings need to go out there. Yeah. They need need to figure out how to punch somebody in the face and, and, and And do it first and do it first and win a ball game. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's beat podcast brought to you by prize picks, jump on board with prize picks. All the information's down below. Uh, King's beat, I believe is the password. Uh, Once you click on the link, and they'll match if it's your first time on price picks, I think up to $100. So do that. Um, also, we're a Blue Wire podcast, so help support the good people of Blue Wire. Uh, thanks for tuning in. So for Box 40, Sean Cunningham, I am James Hammy, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you next week.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.